Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where we dig you out of your backlog before it buries you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the Miss Potts and Cogsworth to my Lumiere. I'm almost certain it's Mrs. Potts. I'm Jared. And I'm Matt. Who gets to be Cogsworth or Miss Potts? I don't know. Are we going to do this for each of them? Oh, of course we are. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I feel like you can be the one that's made out of porcelain. That seems like a more dangerous life. Probably true. Poor Chip already got damaged. Anyway. 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 Today on Backlog Dialogues, we are starting the Disney Worlds of Kingdom Hearts 2, which will take us to the Land of the Dragons, which is Mulan, and Beast Castle, which is Beauty and the Beast. This time, Beast actually gets his own world instead of showing up in Hollow Bastion to take revenge on Maleficent for whatever. I, I still am just amazed that Beast World just flat out becomes Hollow Bastion and Chain of Memories. It's weird. Yeah, it's kind of funny. He's just part of it. He, he, that's his role, because that's also what he remembers him for. <laughs> so he it was a castle it had the beast guy in it yeah sure that's fine i mean by that point how much of sora's memories are left none basically <laughs> so before we go to any of these though we have to do traverse the space between worlds and the new and improved gummy ship at the time of this record i'm just going to say i've started birth by sleep and we get completely gypped by having to use the gummy ship compared to what they got there. <laughs> <laughs> i too would like a space bike Space bikes are. So- I'll leave it at that. I just felt like it's a good, it's just a good thing that I'm observing right at the moment we're recording this. The gummy ship is just an excuse to include Chip and Dale, who are wonderful characters, by the way. And also because we wanted shmups, we have a shmup now, and it's much more of a fast-paced shmup in this Kingdom Hearts rather than the last one, where it was a very slow, drawn-out shmup. You're risking. You're saying shmup so much, you're risking the word having no meaning. <laughs> I actually really love the gummy ship in Kingdom Hearts 2, unlike 1. It feels actually like a downright competent on-rails shooter. But then, you know, I'm a huge fan of things like Sin and Punishment and Panzer Dragoon, and the lock-on system works a lot like Panzer Dragoon. Oh, yeah. So I love it. I have not played Panzer Dragoon, but I have played Sin and Punishment. My thoughts on 2's gummy ship is that it really has the advantage of having more varied worlds, for lack of a better word. In the original, you're even though all you basically have was a similar swirling vortex with maybe some different shades and colors, and they would construct a world a little bit off all the gummy blocks, but not always felt like the same place. Here, you're kind of doing very different things. Yeah, like, um, I don't recall what they all are because I've only done each of them once every time I've played, and they immediately fall out of my brain afterwards. So I don't know what the exact order of things are, but, like, there will be gummy ship segments where you are fighting a boss the entire time, like a giant airship or racing through uh, desert ruins in your gummy ship. Like, it feels very fitting for what you're trying to do now. The camera shifts, like it'll turn, like a rail shooter, it'll turn to your side, or Mm -hmm. it'll turn to what's following you. So, again, I still think, I still don't know if I feel it's like a polish of experience that's something on its own, but at the very least, it's not just the same very empty, very frustrating feel. So it definitely is a step up. Yeah, I would say it's more fun, but it's, Still kind of superfluous and you don't need to revisit it. I do like the fact that they make it so that you don't have to put that much effort into it if you don't want to by giving you the blueprints. Yeah, and it's not necessary for completion in the game at all. It's just an extra fun thing to do. There's objectives and goals and like challenge missions, but I never did any of those. Yeah, I didn't do them either and I didn't need to do them. Do you have to do them to get the secret endings on the lower difficulty levels? I I think you do on the lower difficulty levels, but once you get up to proud mode, you no longer really have to do them. Got if it. I played a lower difficulty level, I could let you know, John. 
Well, Jared, it's a good thing you played the good difficulty mode. <laughs> oh, so that's where we're going to stand on this hill. <laughs> Big stare down studio trigger style. <laughs> yes, the we have the sparks flying, the the you know the auras increasing. We're yeah, we're going to have a showdown. Robots. Yep. Yes. The, I'm, we're not going to talk that much more about the gummy ship. Uh, it's <laughs> it's there and it's better. It's better, but. You know, there's not really too much narrative to it, which is what we're really more interested in. We talk a little yeah. bit about game design, but, you know, mini games like that, we mention, we evaluate, and then we're done. Besides, this isn't even the gummy ship that I want to talk about, so. <laughs> so once we're done with the gummy ship, we land on the Land of Dragons, though I do find it funny that, you know, we, you don't physically land in the gummy ship. You just kind of appear on the world. I don't think that they ever care to explain what the steps that you take to get from the gummy ship to the world, except for one world in Kingdom Hearts 2, and that's Disney Castle. Beam you down, Ch Chip. Oh, yeah, we got we definitely got Star Trek rules. Even even back in Deep Jungle, when they crashed it, I don't remember seeing a wreckage of a ship anywhere. Right. <laughs> it was fine after. Gummy blocks are invisible unless you're in gummy space. <laughs> What's the first thing that we see when we get to the... Uh, Land of the Dragons, which fire. is basically it's basically just China, right? <laughs> yeah. And we see fire. Everything's on fire. This is fine. And we see one of the more unusual, I would say, Disney villains in Shan Yu, like one of the more this 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 leader of I, I was it that was it? Sorry. It's supposed to be the Huns. Yeah. Uh, in, in, the, the, in the Disney movie, it's supposed to be the Huns. Yeah. Is you need to sing the song to remind yourself who attacks. I'm not going to sing. Do not ask me to sing. I do, no. am not ready to sing right now. Do you? I need to. I no, no, absolutely not. Yeah, I love to sing. I used to sing all the time. I love to sing too, but I'm not inebriated enough yet to sing. Make a man that's out of you. Beauty. I, that's beauty. I was in chorus in, in school. I could do it without being drunk, which is good because I don't. Nevertheless. Anyways, so this is the leader of the horde of Huns. He's forgotten his horde. They aren't there. Yeah. Um. I'm yeah, always going to need some different minions. I'm never, ever going to not harp on this. The lack of side NPCs or just crowd NPCs in Kingdom Hearts games is so weird. It will feel a lot better once we actually get to... I think the first one that actually feels like the worlds have people in it is Dream Drop Distance. Mm. Yeah, I would say that's probably true. It's, you're probably going to see... I probably mentioned it before. I'm going to mention it again. It's just so strange. Is this is one guy sitting in this burned-out village... No victims running away. I don't need bodies in the ground. That's fine. But there's also no... They didn't even put a yeah. couple minions with them. Nothing. Like, uh, Sora, Donald, and Goofy wander into the story just like... I, we barely even get any setup for what the story of Mulan is. The yeah. game assumes that we already know. Yeah. Mulan and Mushu, who is just a shadow in the rock, they're watching Shan Yu from about 50 feet away. Mm -hmm. And they're arguing if they want to do anything about it. Yep. And then Zora, Donald, and Goofy just walk up right behind them and be like, hey, what's going on? It's even worse than that. They say, that's a shadowy thing. Well, obviously, it's a heartless. Goofy says, shouldn't we check first? Nope. So we run into Mushu and Mulan, and I guess Mushu acts like we're good friends, which I guess makes sense because Sora is absolutely the type of shonen protagonist to make friends and, you know, be backslapping buddies with his summons. He'd be a but really good Pokemon trainer. But I'm going to say this right now. Did you summon Mushu in the last time you played Kingdom Hearts 1, Jared? Well, I mean, I tried to. When I was trying to fight those bouncy wilds. Supposedly he was a, a good version for it. Or was it the sniper wilds? Either way, when I was trying to fight the rare mobs, supposedly Mushu was good. I couldn't make any use of him. 
Matt, did you summon Mushu last time you played Kingdom Hearts 1? I did, but only a couple times, I think. You are not my friend, Mushu. Stop acting like you're my friend. <laughs> That's mean. <laughs> I assume that in the gems, they just talk to you, but we never, you know, uh, yeah. never recorded any of that conversation. Honestly, the last time I played, I don't even think I unlocked Mushu. I think you get his gem from the Maleficent Dragon fight. Yeah, but don't you have to take the gem to the Fairy Godmother to actually activate really the true, summon? True. I don't think I did that. <laughs> It's, it's part of the way that Kingdom Hearts is not very nice in its later games with new players is that these new characters roll, run, just walk up and Mushu just knows them. Yep. Mushu is now actually enacting the plot of Mulan. And that means that he has a scheme to get Mulan into the Chinese army. And so he's going to call in a favor. But first, <laughs> first, we just need to prove that Goofy's the only one with brains. Yep. Because Mulan... First, changes her name twice in front of them without them thinking it's weird. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make any effort to say she does. And suddenly Goofy says, oh, you're just pretending to be a boy. <laughs> well, just using D, uh, you know, D&D stats, you know, Goofy is, you know, like int five, wisdom 16 at least. I'm not even convinced of the int, to be honest, Matt. I, mean, I, mean, <laughs> I don't want to jump in, but I think Goofy just he just has high mental stats and doesn't use them. I would definitely agree with that. Donald... Donald has to be a charisma caster, right? Because I can't explain him using either int or wisdom. So is he a sorcerer <laughs> or a warlock? Has he just have innate powers or did he make a pact with something dark? He is a Final Fantasy character. So what is what are we going to go with? Well, I was going to say he made a pact with Michael Eisner. That is a demon. So, yeah, Donald's a warlock. <laughs> Donald, well, Donald clearly has a high charisma score because his intimidate checks are through the roof usually. Yep. But yeah, Sora and Donald both are shocked to realize Mulan's a girl. And Mulan's like, hey, it's working. Mushu's like, no, those are the dumb ones. They, they fall for anything. <laughs> so even even the people who we hung out with understand who's the brains of this operation. Yep. <laughs> so uh, unlike in the last game, when you get new party members, you don't have to just like swap them out at save points. You can swap them out at any time. And since there aren't any Trinity marks, you can just swap party me- members around freely and not have to worry about like, not missing out on using these cool characters. I love it. The only thing is that you have limits to your drives, depending on who's in the party. Like you need, yeah. Goofy. if you want to use Valor, you're going to have to keep Goofy in the party. Yeah. You have to have Goofy if you want to eat him. Yep. Yep. That sounds about right. But I mean, you don't have any, you don't have a lot of good spells right now. So Donald kind of doesn't have a lot of effectiveness in this world. I mean, as I recall by your philosophy, Donald has no effectiveness. That was in Kingdom Hearts 1. That is in Kingdom Hearts 1. He's a bit more effective in this game. But actually, wait, does I'm trying to remember, does Donald actually just have his own individual cure spells now? I think I Donald. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Donald does Donald not cure Donald. Yeah. Donald does not rely on your pool of spells anymore. Donald just has these spells that are available to him and you have to equip them. That's right. Donald's effectiveness is determined entirely by you. So if Donald is not helping you out at all, you're at fault this time. Yep. In in fact, it's usually a good idea to unequip spells that are not that useful on Donald in this game. Yeah. Usually you That's want him to have a cure. In almost any battle I have a hard time with, part of my uh, strategy is run around until Donald gets back up and uses cure on me when that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if my you know if my spell pool is depleted, I can't do much else. Yep. You have to either wait until your MP regenerates or Donald gets back up. Sure, just question is which happens first. This is our first chance to really see the level design because Hollow Bastion is kind of a bigger world. Like both Hollow Bastion and Twilight Town are set pieces rather than like um, 
I call them combat levels. Also, Hollow Bastion and Twilight Town are laid out kind of like cities. And so you can sort of see, okay, I can go from the market districts to the neighborhood that uh, lives into the Bailey. What the fuck is a Bailey? Uh, and so on and so forth. And in Twilight Town, it actually feels like an actual city that you're wandering around in. If I were to describe Land of Dragons, it's like you're walking through movie scenes. So, yeah, yeah, that's like, a very good way to describe it. Yeah, like each each when you go from the, the bamboo thicket next, you're in a, tr- a training camp. And that doesn't really make sense spatially. But if you think of it temporarily, that's the next scene. So you've walked forward to a new scene. Right. Like it's like if you were walking on a movie set, you just walked along from one scene to the next. You don't get lost, but it's a little disoriented. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, you you exit the area and there is an implied dotted line that goes to the next area that you don't see you following it along. But there's some unspecified distance between them. I would like this a lot more in Kingdom Hearts 2 if these spaces were larger or more varied. That's why Kingdom Hearts 3, I think the design is a lot more successful in general for all of the Disney World. Oh, God. Like, but, yeah. If I if I had to guess, I always remember when I first played Kingdom Hearts 2, I found the levels very constraining. And I think worlds like Land of Dragons where I really feel it because you're kind of just going to a bunch of interconnected boxes with limited up and down mobility elements. There are better levels, like, for example, the Pride Lands, I think, is one of the better levels. The Pride Lands makes sense. We will get to that in several weeks. I don't want to like uh, autopsy all the levels, but I do feel like it was ones yeah. like this that and and I think like the cliffside areas and Hollow Bastion where you're going from the top of the castle down to the Great Scar or what yeah. it's called the Great the Maw. Those just really felt like uh, you were trapped in the corridor. Yeah, I will say that you can definitely tell where they spent the budget on the Disney worlds, and Land of Dragons was not one of them. And how they decided they wanted to prioritize the action combat over the platforming. Yes. Okay. Anyway, as we make it to the Imperial Encampment, Donald immediately gets into a fight with a short red one, and Sora just decides to escalate. I do not remember the names of the... The comedy trio. The comedy trio. What are their names? Do you remember? I know one. I believe Ling is the one that he gets in a a fight with. Or no, wait. I know their names are Ling, Chinpo, and Yao. And see, Ling or Yao is the really short one with... I think Yao is the little man syndrome guy. Yeah. Is one of them really named Chimpo? Chienpo. C-H-I-E-N-P-O. No comment. <laughs> Japanese problems. By the way, that's the big, that's the big, bald, round one. No comment. So basically, there's a lineup for food, and Donald immediately just knocks into someone. Yep. Ducks can join the Chinese army. So can dogs. Yep. And then the guy just turns around and punches Sora in the face, and Donald's all for that. Yep. <laughs> And then out of nowhere, heartless attack. <laughs> Donald starts a fight. Sora's like, sure, let's get hit on it. Yep. I was going to say, it's it's because Sora is young and vulnerable to peer pressure. And there is so much testosterone flowing in this war training camp that yes. uh, that it that just would, it just ha- happens. That would explain a lot about how Sora acts in this world. Yes. And in subsequent worlds. I, I know what you're saying to some degree, but it, it, in Land of the Dragons in particular, he just seems angry and really, really in, into the tough guy mode. Toxic yeah. masculinity is contagious. So, yeah, this fight starts. And then, like you said, the heartless attack. Yep. We have a couple of new heartless right now. Uh, and I actually really like that is the new designs of heartless that they start introducing in this world. Uh, we have a weird 
Heartless based on the Chinese hopping vampire zombies, the Jiangxi, that are called Nightwalkers. Are those the ones that hold their hands out in the strange way? Yeah, they. the idea behind them is that they will hold their hands out. I am doing it right now. This is a great visual moment right now in a podcast. Yes. Um, yeah, man, come on. Just really act with all the panache. You know, they hold the arms out and the hands point straight downwards with the wrist uh, completely limp, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And they wear those uh, interesting hats that, like, have a very popped up brim around a round head uh, thing. They have a tag over their head, that that kind of thing. If you've seen any kind of Asian horror thing, you probably have seen a Jiangxi at some point. Isn't one of the Darkstalker characters? Or yeah. Is it- uh, what's the name of the Darkstalker character? I don't remember the name. Shenko. Shenko. Yeah, her. She's a Jiangxi, right? Yeah, Shenko is a Jiangxi. My understanding is there's supposed to be like rigor mortis or something is what the implication is of the like hopping and the stiffness. Interesting. There's a lot of really cool stuff about Chinese mythology and Chinese, uh, you, you know, stuff that I wish I knew more about. I'm Same. slowly learning more about it because there's actually starting to be very good uh, games developed by Chinese studios that are using these sorts of things. And I think that's a cool thing, but uh, it's still a realm I don't know much about. But if you are willing to support Chinese companies, which support the Chinese government, which is not great. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, this is also our podcast. It's visuals <laughs> and awkward politics. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we already had one episode banned in China. Sweet. <laughs> but and so the other new heartless that we fight in this particular moment is this buff centaur thing with a spear that's called an assault rider. I think it almost looks like it's got like a chariot look to its centaurness. Mm hmm. I kind of remember that those things were a pain in the butt because they have these big sweeping spear attacks, right? They're they're probably the first difficult heartless in critical mode. Yeah, I definitely died several times to them. Yeah, <laughs> especially uh, later on when we get to the cave that spawns a ton of them. So then, once the heartless are gone, that's when Captain Lee Shang shows up. Not in any. He's not going to be singing as like Donny Osmond this time around. I kind of so like when I saw the original Mulan movie, I kind of liked uh, Captain Lee simply because like I felt that he, you know, had his had his heart in the right place. But he was also a stickler for the rules because he's the captain and he's in charge and he has to be. But uh, you don't kind of get that in the in the Kingdom Hearts narrative, which makes sense because they can't really do that much with them because they don't have much dialogue. Oh, this abridged retelling is a mess. They have they want to hit certain scenes from the movie and they're going to rush us to get to them. Yep. So Captain, yeah, Captain comes out. He looks over. He's like, huh, we're recruiting ducks now. OK, <laughs> I dig it. Yeah, he's like, he, he actually likes those three. <laughs> well, he's a powerful yep. magician. Yeah, but he specifically dislikes Mulan. Like he seems to just like these three are good. You suck. Yep. He's like, you need to get tougher or else you're out. In fact, he just says, go home, and, he, and you're stumping for her. I guess that's what's happening now. And now we have to do missions for him Yeah, that have a weird morale mechanic. Why did they do this to us? I don't get it. I still don't get it, even after all this time. I've never actually failed the morale mechanic either. It's Same. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you die long before you run out of morale if you get beat up enough. Especially in critical mode. We put a meter on screen. Have fun. Collect orbs. You like to struggle fight that much, right? Morale orbs. Morale orbs. Morale orb, 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 orbs. Now it's a Dynasty Warriors game. 
I mean, and Sora, he's all for this. They say, like, you four are going to be the advance to face off against the army suit there. And he's like, that sounds fun. Yeah. Sora's like, yeah, I hate the Huns. Let's go. Well, good thing is they're only heartless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are no Huns. They're only heartless. Heartless Huns. There is no Hun, only heartless. After a bunch of missioning around, we get a mission to go to the summit where a village rests. We do not get names for this summit or this village. We just get the summit and the village. You go through a couple screens, fight some stuff. So in the village, Mushu has a terrible idea to get Mulan clout. As is his want. Mushu is a clout chasing bad ideas dragon. And yes. his bad idea is we're going to go to a cave that he saw Shan Yu go into. And he, t- he totally knows where this cave is. He saw a shady guy a second ago. Let's go do this thing. The cave, unsurprisingly, does not say trap this way, but it might as well have. Yep. It is more of an obvious trap than the Cave of Wonders. It's ridiculous how uh, obvious this is. And of course, we walk right into it because we have to. But thou must. But thou must. Traps are plot. Plot is traps. You must continue. So it's a tough fight in there. It has a bunch of those centaurs that spawn at once. Yep. Uh, I remember dying a couple times to this. Oh, yeah. It's, it is a pretty tough fight, especially because you will not have a lot of your spells yet. You won't have cure, so you have to use items to heal up in this fight. Yeah, you use potions liberally. That's how I end up beating it. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is, Shan Yu appears, and he just walks out of the cave, and you're trapped by a barrier. You have to fight these guys. So, yep, yep. Yeah, we, trap. How did he get the barrier? Mm-hmm. He, he has heartless powers now. Don't question it. Yeah, he's very good at this compared to some other. He's kind of yeah. playing only you know, knowing what he's doing. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Well, he's a competent villain because he doesn't talk about his plans. He just does them. Yeah. There's no villain song. Yeah. He just, you know, does things. He's like, oh, hey, this looks like a minion. I could use this. When you don't have a villain song, you can figure the stuff out on your own. See Clayton again. That, that's that's going to be part of my theory here. But <laughs> at the same time, like. Clayton didn't figure out shit on his own. He got possessed by a heartless in the end. Yeah, but, you know, that still means he did stuff on his own. I didn't say he did it successfully. Yep. And you know who else didn't have a villain song? Maleficent. And she's actually very competent in general. <laughs> so, what we're, so what we're learning is don't break out into song if you want to be a competent villain. <laughs> and, Pete, and Pete has had many songs and many different... <laughs> But Pete is resilient. He's gone over the end. He's had so many songs. He's built up a resistance. He can't be competent, but he can be indestructible. There we go. Yeah, so uh, so that, that means poor, uh, Ursula singing Poor Unfortunate Souls was her downfall. Which is a shame. She does a really good job otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's almost always talking and sing song and, and notice how bad he was. Yeah. Jafar did pretty Jafar did pretty good, except for his one bit of uh, one bit of uh, hubris, and he only has a reprise he sings. <laughs> anyway, uh, out of the digression, uh, we return to the village and it is wrecked because uh, we were supposed to be protecting it. And we went off and chased the shadow of Shan Yu. I yep. mean, we are we are literally half the army by size. So Goofy points out that it's our fault. It's Mushu's fault. fault. And he says no. <laughs> so we got to pursue the army. Yep. Yep. Now to jump in here, one of the biggest visual moments of Mulan is when the, the army is faced by Shan Yu coming over a great snowy ridge, followed by his massive army just coming down over at down them. Yep. This time it is a massive army of heartless. Tiny attack helicopter heartless. It's pretty silly. 
And he's still doing his serious face, not speaking. The music's trying to take it seriously. And all these guys going. I actually think the the huge horde of Tiny Heartless is actually kind of cool. It makes sense. It is for cool. An avalanche scene. It is really cool. The fight is cool. This I can't say the cinematic is. It's definitely not as dramatic as the giant horde of Huns, but it's still cool for Kingdom Hearts. Like, it is our first mass heartless fight in this game, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. We fight all these little rapid thrusters, these little helicopter sharks, and we have a couple of the big towers, right? There are rapid thrusters and bolt towers. Rapid thrusters are just these little helicopter things that you can catch with your keyblade and do a cool little tornado move. And bolt towers are these fuck off giant cannon things that will shoot lightning at you. And you can shoot lightning back at them to cause a big explosion. This fight is great. Yeah, it's where they really start doing cool things with the reaction commands. I think this is where I started thinking, oh, the reaction commands really work for Kingdom Hearts 2. Yep. I remember thinking that even back when I first played it, that even if it was kind of a simple mechanic of one button, it still had a lot of depth to it. The contextual action command button is one of those conventions that came about, I think, mostly because of Ocarina of Time, where you have one button that changes its contextual action based on what you're around. And turning that into a action command in Kingdom Hearts 2 is one of its best decisions, and I love it. If you fight the army swarm, and then we're going to go back to the movie scene. Yep. Because uh, this is the scene in the movie where Mulan's cover is blown completely, correct? Well, well first, she single-handedly defeats the army, so... Probably Four-handedly her. because of us? Well, no, because what she does is after we hold off the fight, she does that bit where she triggers an avalanche and everything. Oh, right. We, she, she shoots a firework at it. Yeah. In in the movie, that takes out the entire army, except for a small squad of unique design characters that were kind of like the, the backup squad, which this game didn't bother to have. So it just leaves Shan Yu. Well, from what I understand in the original uh, movie, it was kind of Shan Yu's vanguard, the kind of his elite. Yeah. Like I said, they're all the ones that had distinct character models. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. The one, the ones that are not cannon fodder. Yes. And all the heartless are cannon fodder because they're yes. heartless. But, but and then I'm just going to keep going with the movie explanation. What happens in the movie is Mulan gets injured. And because she's out cold and treated by a doctor, then the Li Shang finds out that she is, in fact, a woman. And rather and when he, he almost kills her, but instead puts a sword down and says it because she saved her. She saved his life. She's free to go in the game. Mushu pops out. Of the snow and just says Mulan yeah. as part, in his rant. And it just completely blows the cover. Yeah. It's even worse. You say, oh, we clearly failed. Let's just let's just go. And yep. apparently and I don't know if that's true in China. That Mulan is obviously a female name, but I guess that's just enough. And he doesn't question the talking dragon either. Nope. There is no reason to question talking dragons or ducks. They just exist in China. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, I should punish you with death, but go away. He doesn't even give justification. Right. Anyway, at this point, Mulan is no longer called Ping and is now called Mulan. And she gets our first limit command. The limit commands are cool, but I don't get too much use out of them because they basically are a thing you can do instead of the cure spell. Uh, They eat all your MP to do a big attack that you're probably going to be invincible through. But most of the time you're going to be using cure once you get cure. The limit breaks kind of feel a bit superfluous compared to that. And I found it a bit flaily too. You're just kind of hitting your both the X and triangle buttons. They're both hitting prompts. Yeah. And yeah. randomly stuff's happening on screen. And then it does one big attack at the end. Yeah. They are all some variation of you alternate between commands for Sora and commands for the character that you're doing the limit break with. 
and then eventually you just do one big attack. Yeah, they tend to be pretty powerful and nice. It's just that yeah. you really need healing and you do this instead of healing because just like the cure spell, it eats up all the rest of your NP and triggers your regeneration. Now, you know what I will say, though? Mm -hmm. Sometimes the best healing is killing all the enemies before they hurt you. Yeah. That is Especially true. in critical mode. <laughs> in boss fights, it won't match up against the boss mechanics so they'll be moving on the attack. And in mook fights, except for the biggest swarms, it's overkill. That's kind of problems I had with it. But you need to do every limit command for completion, so... Yep, you do them at least once. Yep. So just tell that damn cricket we already did it. <laughs> He'll write anything you tell him anyways. For Mulan, it's a, if I remember correctly, it is Mushu and Mulan shooting off a whole bunch of fireworks yep. with Sora, right? Yep. The finale of it is launching a big rocket and then the, the two pose like a team because shit just got real. I do like the, the team pose at the end of most yeah. of the limit breaks. It's fun. Yeah, they're really cool. They're fun. I love it. The, like the animations in these limit commands are a step up over the last Kingdom Hearts game. Yeah, really. Almost anything that's like a special animation really has some flair to it. Yeah. Now we can go to the crossroads that we were right outside the Imperial camp and took us up to the summit. And there's another gate there that goes straight to the Imperial capital. Yeah, it's a, like miles and miles and miles of screen transition that we do not have to take. It only makes sense if we're going down the timeline of scenes. That's just the best way I see it. Yep. That makes perfect sense. There are some worlds where this kind of like constrained layout works. I don't think Mulan is one of them. Feels weird. That's okay. It's one of the worlds we're going to be spending the least amount of time in anyways. Yep. I think it's because Mulan is particularly epic in terms of its scope of settings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Films. Because it's telling a story of armies clashing with each other and, you know, cities being sacked and, you know, the imperial yeah. capital being raided and all of this stuff. Whereas, you know, Beauty and the Beast is constrained entirely to the uh, the Beast's castle and its outskirts. Yep. I mean, this in the first scene of, of the actual Mulan movie is on the Great Wall of China. You're certainly not seeing that in this. Nope, absolutely not. So we end up fighting our way through the imperial uh, palace grounds, if I remember correctly. I don't think we have to fight our way through there. The main thing that happens, we kind of glossed over, is five seconds after everyone else storms off, we see Sean Yu get up and leave, so we gotta do shit. Yep, that's why we gotta go back to the capital. And, like, as we go into the capital, a bunch of soldiers just straight up turn into zombies. He could just do that. Now he, him and his hawk apparently have got gained full heartless powers of some sort. Yep, they can just straight up turn people into heartless now. And then we eventually will fight Shan Yu at the palace gates, which I don't have a lot of notes for, so I think it was easy. Well, well you say that, but this was the first time I saw Mickey. <laughs> there is a chance whenever you would otherwise be defeated in a boss fight. Specifically, in certain boss fights only. In certain boss fights. That Mickey, uh, King Mickey will show up and save you instead of you being defeated. Yep. And he is very powerful and he will help you out. I believe he cures you. You control Mickey. He has a bunch of attacks, but he cannot bring the boss below one HP. He does not have the ability to do a combo finisher, which is actually what you need to do to kill bosses. Got it. And his cure is kind of a Ian pumps cure energy in the Sora's. You need to build up his limit break, which will be a big cure for Sora. And if you get the limit break, he does a, a really good combo attack with Sora, with them both, uh, you know, shooting laser beams of light from their keyblades. And it does major damage. It's really good, except you don't want to see it because it's a chance well, when you die. 
Though apparently the very first, the first time in one of those fights you die, you will see him. After then, it's a good percentage. Mm, okay. There's and, yeah. There's certain fights where it's likely to happen. And Sean Yu is, if assuming you go through the order of difficulty, Sean Yu is the first fight you're going to see with that. Yep. It's basically just a sword fight. I mean, his hawk's there, but doesn't do anything, and he doesn't have too many extra powers. Like I think he does some beam blasts or or just explosions, but he's just a guy, though. He's just this guy, you know. And when we defeat Shan Yu, uh, we get a thankful speech from the Emperor. That is, like, supposed to be for Mulan, but Sora tries to Sora bomb it. It was even in the trailers for the original movie how the Emperor just lists off everything she did. And and then you say this all. But throughout this, Sora's like, no, this is wrong. (laughs) And then at the end, Shan Yu's sword is a gate. Yeah. Why are all these objects gates? Any kind of object that is important to the setting ends up being the MacGuffin we need to reveal the keyhole. I don't like it. And then with very little prompting, the Emperor starts shipping Lee with Mulan. He's just oh, yeah. out in front of everyone. And Sora, Sora just doesn't care about the plot. He's been sitting watching this plot and he's done. Yep. Uh, we get we get the Hidden Dragon Keyblade, which is our first magic focus keyblade. It has an ability called MP Rage. I believe Rage is where you take hits, you get more MP back. Right. That's right. And that's it for Land of Dragons. The plot just stops. Yep. We might come back later. There was no Organization 13, no indication of anything involving the plot. You just got involved in someone's story and almost screwed it up. Yep. No Maleficent, no Organization 13, just this weird hulking dude. Not even Pete. Controlling a bunch of Heartless. Not even Pete. Like, it is the least connected to the myth arc of any of these first pass on these Disney worlds. Oops, I just spoiled the fact that we're coming back. Well, I mean, there is always that one where you don't really fight, but instead... Not yet! We are not talking about that, Jared. (laughs) So, we get in our gummy ship and head off to a much better Disney World. Yep. Next up is Beast's Castle. From my notes, I have SDG barge in like the worst house guests ever, realizes Beast's place only after the fact. It's just a place to go. Yeah, we, we we didn't know where it was before we yeah. we did it. Yeah. They walk in and they start to crapping all over the the uh, decor. Yep, that's just like clean that literally. So fucking rude. <laughs> yeah, it's so gloomy here. Yep, Donald tries to steal a rose and gets swarmed by Heartless for his trouble. First of all, why is Beast leaving his rose out in the middle of there? I feel like we actually barge into his room and like into the parlor. It's one of the rooms in the entry hall. Oh uh, right, Beast. Should be keeping his rose in his own room, as I recall. And at this point, they know who it is. They they hear him roaring. It's like, oh, I recognize that unbridled rage that we should avoid. He speaks into the room through Sora, Donald, and Goofy, and the Heartless are like, takes the rose and leaves without so much as a fuck you. I kind of almost think of Beast as a Final Fantasy behemoth, yeah. uh, except not purple. And not adorable. I mean, it's kind of adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people are into him. Yep. I know even people without certain preferences like the uh, beast form more than the human form often. <laughs> they say the human form is kind of derpy looking. So then Belle shows back up uh, after Beast leaves. We follow her around and yeah, it turns out that Belle remembers Sora, Donald and Goofy and so does Beast. But Beast is got Belle back and somehow turned toxic again. I'm not sure why. First, we got to get into the room because she's locked in there. So Donald just tries to, to, to burst through the door, but Bell opens it. So he just goes splat on the ground as is yeah. his want. 
Yep. So unlike the Land of the Dragons, Beast Castle, as we've said before, is just one location. It's a single castle that you can explore around. You go up to the left, you're in the east wing. You go up to the right, you're in the in the west wing. Or It feels connected. Vice versa. So yeah. you, at least you know where everything is, even if it's a little weird. Yeah, it feels like a castle. It, it works. I like it. It's neat. And it feels directly lifted from the movie, especially if you go into the big ballroom. The ballroom actually is a great rendition of the ballroom from the movie. Yeah. What do we learn from Belle when we get to her room? She thought you were here to help her. So just the fact you hear that random, it's got to be a little demoralizing. It's like we don't, the her and the Beast, they aren't talking like they used to. Yep. And apparently Beast has locked up all of his servants because they may have been singing too many songs at dinner. Yeah. Well, she did, says she doesn't know. Yeah, he got tired of Be Our Guest. Yeah. It's like, look, I just made a sandwich. I'd like to take my sandwich up to my study and have a snack. I could do without the second chorus and the, and the reprise. Yep. <laughs> so our, so we have our quest. We're going to free all the servants. While we're going through the castle, there are a few new Heartless. Oh, we see well, our old friends, the large bodies. Yep, they are back. They got a new move where they go into berserk mode and start like, flying around. But you also have a move where you can sort of golf ball them into the air. Yep. And there are also hook bats, which are, it's exactly what it says on the tin. They are bats with hooks on them. Why do they have hooks? You can grab them with your keyblade and toss them around. Yep, that's the big reason. It's a uh, thinly veiled excuse for, for reaction commands, which I'll always take that. It's almost like this time the world is built for you to destroy as many Heartless as possible. Hmm. Yep, yep. A common theme going forward in this game is that pretty much every environment is designed with combat in mind. Unlike the Kingdom Hearts 1 environments, which were often trying to be both combat arenas and platforming areas and often miss the mark on both of them. Yeah, exactly. Like Kingdom Hearts 2, for better or worse, is pretty much entirely focused on its on-foot combat. There's a few places that there are exceptions to that rule, but we will talk about those later. And most likely its traversal powers are basically to have you be more mobile in combat. Yeah. Like, we, I, I think we sort of passed over them, but in the last world we got a few moves like Aerial Sweep and Slide Dash that are moves that just uh, completely impact how you move in combat. Slide dash lets you move closing quickly. Closer. It's a gap closer. Aerial sweep is a jump up move. Like it makes combat flow incredibly smoothly. All these yeah. different traversal moves that you get. It's not too difficult to just button mash, but there's also ways you can really string things together. Yep. Anyway, we go from the east wing over to the west wing. There's some fun things that you can find wandering around in this castle too. As I recall in the First part of the West Wing, this is the first place that I encounter these weird little gachapon machine heartless at some point. I don't remember when. Yeah, I got sick of those quick when they appeared. They're too rare and they're too hard to deal with. Yep. They're kind of annoying, but they're kind of neat. You catch them and they drop out rare items. I feel like a greater discussion would be better when we, when we go over side quests. Sure. That's fine. But also in the West Wing, we find the wardrobe. Who I believe is just named Wardrobe? Yeah, I was astonished. This female character from the movie has no name. Hmm. She is blocking the basement and needs to be moved. You said to push her and you deeply offend her. Yep. From my notes, I have SDG learned the deep lore about Beauty and the Beast from a talking wardrobe. She explains the whole plot of Beauty and the Beast to Sora Donald and Goofy here. For some reason, I keep thinking of the stage show and how she has like a couple of lines in the song Human Again. I don't know if you know what's about the servants all imagining when they'll, when they'll no longer be this horrible mockery of life. Is that song in the original movie or was it one that no. was added in extra scenes? It's in the stage show, and I think they added in a so-called special edition. 
Yeah, they added it in the special edition. I because I know that was in the last version of Beauty and the Beast. I saw it. I was just like, what the fuck is this? It's not a good song. But it's an okay song. And the best song in the entire musical, like the Beast Act One Closer, like, like if she would love me, it's one of the one of the better like be, like power ballads you'll see in a uh, in a Broadway style musical. Neat. Why did they why did they do human again and not that? <sighs> Probably because it's a funny song. Hmm. Damn it, Disney. Okay, I'm gonna flat out say like when I was younger, I didn't appreciate Beauty and the Beast all that much. But the last time I watched it, I was like, oh, this actually is an incredible animated movie. It has a lot of pathos. It does. I mean, it also has fridge logic off the wazoo, but you really can ignore that if you choose to. But it's also like one of their problems of just like, we can't have too much pathos. We need to have silly. I'm honestly kind of sad that they never found a way to include Gaston in Kingdom Hearts. Gaston. Gaston. Or Gaston. Yeah, sorry. And, so, well, like. To, uh, to go a little bit forward, there's a character in both parts of this world, which is apparently a late replacing for a Gaston role. Anyway, we move the wardrobe and then we get to fight a heartless version of the Demon Wall from Final Fantasy, which I think is a really cool fight. Well, everyone loves the Demon Wall. It's never difficult. This fight <laughs> isn't difficult. This fight's fun. He gives himself a fist bump. Yeah, I know. But, you know, it's the Demon Wall. So the Demon Wall in Final Fantasy four was actually very difficult. And the Demon Wall in Final Fantasy XIV is actually one of the pug killers of that uh, expansion. Well, that was back at the original ARR. I remember in ARR, they always talked about how, like, for the original Endgame was one of the early, like, walls you had to learn to face. Yep, the Demon Wall was a difficult boss in the in Amdapur Keep. Right. It, and it was, like, sir, what... And now it's not difficult the at early, all. Yeah, it, it, much like Titan Hard, it's been weakened to nothing, mostly just by the passage of time, right? Here. Yeah, but mostly it used to be that if you didn't get on the on the correct sides, you would die very yeah. easily. Yep. I still like the book version of Gabal. Yeah, the demon book is neat. Yeah. But well, anyways, this version is was like two guys. It's two guys it, called a thresholder. He summons gargoyle knights and warriors. And the way you beat him is you have to pull an orb out of it. That's called a possessor and beat that up. Hmm. Like. The fight itself, I don't have a whole lot to say about other than I think it's pretty neat. I think it's, I like the fact that it gives itself a fist bump. It has a lot of character for just being this weird mini boss. I agree with that. And once you beat it, you can get through the door it was guarding. Yep. Like, I, I will say, I did not remember it was there until I my most recent replay. And I was taking notes and I was like, oh, this is neat. Why did I forget this? Anyway, and you also get upper slash from this, which is a way to transition from a ground combo to an air combo by knocking your enemy into the air. But we make it to a dungeon and we see this weird image of, like, of course, the models for the different servant characters, Lumiere, Cogsworth, Miss Potts. They're very small, but they're all sitting on chairs in this empty dungeon. Donald just walks up and shakes the poor talking clock because he's a dick. I'm sorry, I misspoke because he's a duck. Got to make sure there's no loose screws. He's kind of playing the bit Maurice did in the original movie. We just starts fiddling with this living creature, mm-hmm. though he's just doing it more because he can. Servants explain in more of the deep lore of Beauty and the Beast. Plot information which will have no bearing on Kingdom Hearts or even the resolution of this chapter. Because for some reason, they decide that we don't need to see the resolution of this story ever. Yep. The biggest weakness of this Kingdom Hearts game, I think, is just how inconsequential the story feels to every Disney world you go to. And often it's at complete odds here because they talk about the enchantress that, you know, cursed the beast. Yep. And Donald even thinks, hey, we should beat up the enchantress because he's a Final Fantasy character. Like, you know, any, anything in an RPG, anything can be solved by being up the right magic jerk. Yeah. 
<laughs> Just go through them all till you find the right one. But then Lumiere punishes us for metagaming with a shitty puzzle. Yeah. I would say that they still haven't gotten most of the Disney worlds quite right. in. King no, Park. they have not. They have not. For, from my notes, I have, as for this shitty puzzle of Lumiere's, why does Beast have this convoluted lantern activity in his basement? Hmm. I mean, there's this ridiculous thing where Cogsworth's got to hang onto a, a rope. Yeah, you're lighting lanterns and you have to, like, keep... Is it Cogsworth or Lumiere? One of them safe. As they are lowering all these lanterns down and guiding them through this basement, it is convoluted and stupid, and I do not like it. And, you know, while Sora is running out of Lumiere and Cogsworth is hanging on a rope, but he only has so much grip meter. And right, Donald right, that's Goofy it. won't do shit. Yeah. Donald and Goofy have nothing to do in this. It's just like, yeah. Cogsworth's only point is, is that his weight's holding Sibby down. They could help with that. Yeah, unfortunately, nope. the only thing the only thing that the the Disney worlds are good for uh, in Kingdom Hearts 2, which is a shame, is that various Organization 13 members are going to be hiding out in them and causing mischief. And also there's and, some good fights. Yeah, there's some good fights. I just mean, like, narratively, that's how they matter to the Kingdom Hearts 2 story. Yeah. Going through the basement, we finally make it to Beast's room. Where we got a cloak guy doing a whole Emperor Palpatine on him, saying how anger will keep him strong. Yep, just basically trying to get him angry at Bell. Yeah, it's like, and Beast's like, I don't want anger. He says, yeah, but just to remind you of how your movie says, who could ever love a Beast? So, yeah, from my notes I have, Beast wants to keep doing the Beauty and the Beast story and not this Kingdom Hearts shit. But Kingdom Hearts shit wins out and we need to fight him. Open parentheses. Oh, no. Close parentheses. Mostly just bring him back to his senses. He can take a, a good bit of abuse. For whatever reason, Cogsworth is the key to that. Don't we just kind of beat, beat him down a bit? Cogsworth needs to do something to bring him back to his senses. And he, I needs to, he needs to do the alarm clock in his face. Is that right? Is that what it I is? Think so. I think that's what it is. And the funny thing is, when he was talking to the cloak guy, he, Beast was relatively rational. The second you show up, he just jumps you. Yep. Anyway, after we beat him, Beast is back to his uh, former self. We learned the name of the cloak dude from him, Zaldin. And for what it's worth, of if it, if it, for those who might remember our little written acting, Zaldin was the voice I was doing. We kind of had a sort of going for a slightly old, quavery sound to it. Zaldin's entire existence seems to be a toxic troll focused on exactly one person, yeah. the Beast. I said, uh, I, I read that supposedly he replaced, he was a last minute replacer for Costanza, just threw an org member in there instead. Huh. Could they, what was it, could they not get like a voice actor for Costanza, or they were just like, this is, there's so much shit going on, just throw an org member in there? It's possible they weren't really happy with how it was going. I didn't reread more than that. Well, in any case, Kingdom Hearts shit is now in here. And I have from my notes again, Sora is tired of this drama stuff and wants to cut out the middleman to get Beast to talk to Belle. Is Sora now self-inserting specifically through Fix Fix? Well, Beast is too much busy going on to woe is me. I've been too evil. She won't she won't forgive me. So that can get frustrating on its own side. But yeah, so we're going back to Belle's room from here. There's one more new Heartless. We have the Lance Soldier. I like the Lance Soldiers a lot. They're kind of fun. You can grab their Lance tip and ride them around to basically launch into a group of enemies and do a bunch of damage to them. Yeah, they're fun. When we get to Belle's room, she is gone and the wardrobe is there. And the Beast is deeply pissed that she just doesn't do what she's told. Like I said, there's just this undercurrent I have a hard time ignoring. Yeah, it's it is there. It's definitely he, there. They he's are a bit controlling. I mean, I think that's kind of part of his old character that 
you know, well, he got cursed in the first place for, right? So the problem is, rather than the actual Beauty and the Beast story playing out, uh, Beast keeps getting interrupted by Kingdom Hearts shit, and that's c- causing his character development to just not play out the way it should. He just, mm-hmm. he just, he's just always two hundred percent mad. Yep. Yep. So be- be- Wardrobe tells us that Bell has gone after Zaldin to confront him. Yep. Wardrobe made it all the way over here. Time for us to go to one room we haven't been to yet in this zone. The most iconic set piece for Beauty and the Beast, the ballroom. Let's spill blood in it. Yes. There, this is actually a really fun fight, I think. Because as Belle and Beast try to reunite, this huge spike ball chandelier comes falling out of the ceiling. Yeah, it's a, it's a heartless called a shadow stalker. It makes the ballroom all spoopy. Not spooky, spoopy. It's Kingdom Hearts. At best, it's spoopy. <laughs> yeah, if you show me a Kingdom Hearts, it's actually spooky. I'll show you a time that Nomura was asleep at the switch. Yep. From my notes, I have even the columns turn into obstacles. That's cool. I forget how it works exactly, but they will knock you around. Yeah, it's basically if you get knocked to different zones and where things will hit you. Like it's you have to grab at chains at times. Like I said, if you push to the side, you'll be hit by the columns. Mm-hmm. It's eventually, once you beat it down enough, it starts breaking all its chains and its form changed. Yeah, it has a second form. It's a werewolf. Dark Thorn. Looks like an awesome heartless version of the beast. And since we know both here and later that both Maleficent's team and Orc 13 kind of want powerful heartless. You almost wonder if somehow there was a real connection between this, this creation and him. Yeah. But all we got is a, this cool boss fight instead. It has some cool reaction commands. You get to play with the chandelier. Like, isn't it like why you swing it round into the wall? Yeah. Yeah. Like the fight makes great use of the environment. It's really cool. Yeah, they do some really cool stuff in this fight. So eventually be it down and to literally just read a little bit of dialogue source shouts. We did it. And you saw your voice saying, so you think. Yeah, <laughs> Zeldin just shows up, trolls a bit, ports away. Yeah. And yeah. he has no follow up to saying, so you think. It's just the second you turn, see him and you start rushing him. He says, bye. Yep. Sora decides to explain the Kingdom Hearts lore to the Beast about nobodies. Just basically like, hey, uh, that guy's Organization 13. He's bad news. Don't talk to him. Goofy's, Goofy's the one to say, like, they turn you heartless and take over your nobody. So Beast and Bell have the reunion. Yeah, Bell's here to put a stop to the Kingdom Hearts bullshit and bring us back to normal. And, okay, I will say, this makes sense. The Rose is the gate. Thank you, yes. game. Thank you for giving us a sensible gate for a change. A MacGuffin we care about. Yeah. And the beast, you know, he's very protective of Rose. I'm, I'm glad he's not mad that we're going to shoot lasers at it. <laughs> yep. And we but get the good news cure. is, even if he did get mad at us, we got cure. Yep. We got cure from finishing up this area. The best spell in the game. And it's a great example of how the MP system is good game design. Don't at me. And I think we've already covered it in the earlier episode exactly what yeah, it yeah. Does, So we don't need to go yeah. over that again. Yeah. And I think, do we have any other thoughts we want to have before we sign out on this one? Yeah, I mean, you just sort of get this feeling that Beast and Bell's like, well, maybe things will work out soon. And Dude. that's where they and they just don't bother to extend the plot past that. So just kind of so many of the plots just stop in the Disney worlds. Yeah, it is specifically because this game is designed such that they want you to come to each world twice. Mm-hmm. Well, that and I bet they just want to didn't want to risk not having the Beast for a later game. So they don't want to finish their plot because even when you come back, it still doesn't finish. Anyway. So until next time, I'm Matt. I'm John. I'm Jared. And remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends.
Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. Chasing bad ideas, dragon. I need to re- re- redo that. Just do not remove the word ideas. Yep. Yep. Mushu. Bad dragon cr- means something else, right? Yes, that is that is why. I, do you know what that one is, John? No. It, it's, it's a, a furry type of sex shop. That's well, it's a furry name. in joke. Yes. So sorry, I, I have infected the podcast. Don't worry, I already knew that joke accidentally from other things. <laughs> And this is how anyway. I, know I am not a furry. It's, it has to do with dragon replicas, I believe. Well, it, it's all sorts right. of of ba- basically, you know, uh, furry themed sex toys in general. So yeah. this is getting cut and not going into anecdotes to keep. Yes. Anyway. Anyway.